You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Father in heaven, we do come before you now as we open your word that you would speak to us, that you would transform us into your likeness because indeed we're meeting with the living God this morning. May the preaching of your word be your word for the sake and glory of your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. I want to look with us this morning at our epistle reading in James, uh, James chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. You can follow along in your bulletin as well this morning. Uh, James, in keeping with his theme throughout the entire book, is really looking at what faith and works look like together. Uh, that having faith without works is, is no faith at all, James would say. And so really obedience to the scriptures and what it looks like to do the things of God that he's called us to do. And today we're going to be looking at this idea of wisdom. Wisdom from above versus earthly wisdom. Wisdom is a valued characteristic throughout the scriptures. And I would even say it's a valued characteristic in our society today. I know for me, being in my 40s, I enjoy sitting with those who are much wiser than I and learning from them, those who've succeeded, those who failed, and learning from all of those things. And as James begins to talk about wisdom, he describes two different types of wisdom. No doubt because he's observed them in his own culture. Now, I, side note, I find it ironic and baffling sometimes when people come up who've read the Bible or maybe haven't read the Bible at all and say things like, it was written so long ago, it doesn't apply to our current society. And then I read passages like James today and think, what Bible are they reading? Because it seems that James is sitting, and and Paul even, and Peter, and all those who are writing in the epistles, might be sitting at a Starbucks down the road observing our culture and speaking directly to us today. I think that's the case as James speaks of wisdom today. How do we discern between earthly and godly wisdom, and how do we obtain this godly wisdom? One of worldly wisdom, the other of wisdom in light of the gospel deeply rooted in our lives. Before he describes the two types of wisdom, James says for all, if, if you do have wisdom, to show it in meekness. Now, to those who would have been reading the book of James, they were Greeks, and they probably would have immediately associated the word meekness with weakness. And so James was, uh, he was not speaking of being weak. Jesus had come and reversed the trend of what meekness looked like by showing clearly that he was not weak. And he elevated the idea of being meek to a primary Christian virtue. Meekness does not come from cowardice or passivity, but rather from trusting God and therefore beginning to be set free from anxious self-promotion. So this wisdom from below, as James describes it in the first few verses of today, 14 through 16, what he describes here as the antithesis of true wisdom. He says, bitter jealousy selfish ambition, earthly, unspiritual, demonic. All of this inevitably leads to vile practices. His description is one that goes from bad to worse as he talks about earthly wisdom. The earthly part being it has no thought of the world to come, but is focused on the here and the now. Unspiritual has no idea of the spiritual side. It's not guided by the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on so far as to say it's actually demonic. 
resembling or proceeding from demonic forces. In Tolkien's classic Lord of the Rings novels, there's characters in those novels called the orcs. They're representing the demonic side. They're vile and devilish. They're selfish and very jealous. And often in the stories, these, create, these creatures are found fighting each other because of their selfish ambition and jealousy. They are truly a picture of demonic forces of evil. James declares that fruit of jealousy and selfish ambition is disorder and it leads to every vile practice and it's ungodly. Those who are living according to the flesh produce this type of fruit. Paul would say in his words to the Galatians, these are works of the flesh. These works do not lead to peace and unity, but to strife and discord. Listen as he says this to the church in Galatians chapter 5. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things of the like. I warn you, Paul says, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul gives another look at this type of wisdom in his letter to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, yet among the mature we do not impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. The only way we can change from worldly wisdom to godly wisdom is to have the Holy Spirit residing within us. It is the one that Paul proclaims in 2 Corinthians 5 that Christ has put away the old and made new. We've put the old aside, the earthly aside, and we've lived into the godliness of Jesus Christ himself. Christ's transforming power in our lives. He will guide us away from the fleshly wisdom that we have so been used to and lead us into wisdom of the Lord. So now we go back to James. James chapter 2, or sorry, James chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. He describes heavenly wisdom and godly wisdom completely different. He begins by saying they're pure. The idea that it's not backed up with what, can, what it can do for me, but they're pure wisdom, peaceable wisdom, not giving way to something that could cause strife. I'm going to pick on men for a minute, but when I was younger and uh, I'd just been married and I had friends that were getting married and we were trying to figure out this marriage thing and we didn't know what was going on. It was all new to us. We'd been single and now all of a sudden we're, we've got a roommate of the opposite sex and it, it, was, it was different and we didn't know how to act. And I'd get phone calls from friends saying, man, I feel like my marriage is in trouble. I don't know what I'm doing. And I might ask the question, well, what are you doing to work on it? And I had, this is no joke. This was a literal conversation. I had a friend say, well, I talked to my brother and he said that I should just lay down the law. And if she doesn't like it, she can get over it. And I paused for a minute and I said, is your mother, is your brother married? 
To which his response was, no, but he's been married a couple times. <laughs> not wise counsel, not peaceful counsel, not godly wisdom. The wise counsel is peaceful counsel. It's gentle, James says. It's open to reason. It's not hard-headed and my way or the highway kind of wisdom. It's full of mercy and good fruits, evidence of the Christian faith and compassionate, impartial and sincere. Then James, in the ultimate comparison, calls this heavenly way righteousness and peace. In short, godly wisdom received and given results in right living. Now what James goes on to do is greater emphasize his point. He, he probes deeper by asking this internal question of where does strife come from? Where does the strife between earthly wisdom and godly wisdom come from? The battle between the worldly and the heavenly is spoken of throughout Scripture. And so James answers, where does it come from? Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Strife comes from passions, or maybe a better way to put it would be our lustfulness. Now, I know our society is trained that lustful automatically means sexual desires, but lustfulness is not only sexual nature. The English and the Greek definition is simply this, a strong desire. Our society tells you to listen to worldly wisdom so that you can have more than the person beside you. A bigger house, a nicer car, better vacations, on and on and on. Reality is that those things, if obtained apart from and despite of righteousness, create a void within us that we don't allow truth to fill. Then James says in verse 2, you don't have because you don't ask of it. Now, when I was much younger, I took this out of context all the time. I would pray prayers like, well, you told me to ask God, so I'd like a Lamborghini. Or I'd like to win $150 million. Just pick a number out of the air. And it never happened because I took it out of context. That prayer follows the line of worldly wisdom. I didn't ever put together that next verse in verse 3. You do not have, you, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Passions are the thing that got us here. That's what caused the strife. And so if our prayers follow passions and desires of the heart and earthly wisdom, it's not godly things. It's not heavenly wisdom. It's not finding out how the world can feed our needs, but looking at how God can come in and make us new. James's point in prayer is that we would pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. While there's much that be, could be said about what follows verse 3 all the way up until verse 7, our lectionary skips us to verse 7, and I think it's poignant for us because most of us at least have, have thought this, some of us have said it, God seems so far away when I'm seeking wisdom, when I'm seeking the godly, where is God? And James answers this question, how we know where God is in verse 7, he says, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil. And he'll flee from you. Draw near to God. 
and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Submitting our earthly desires and frail wisdom to the supremacy and lordship of Jesus is what moves us into deeper relationship because we draw near to him. It's what gives us the heavenly wisdom when we draw near to the Lord and we begin to hear his voice as opposed to the earthly voice. One of the greatest promises is found here in James chapter four, that if we draw near, God will draw near. God draws near to us when we draw near to him. When we press into him, we actually experience him in mighty ways. You wanna be able to know earthly wisdom from heavenly wisdom, draw near to God and you'll begin to recognize what is of him and what is, of, is, is not of him. And so I pray this morning that you would join me as we press into God for this godly wisdom to seek God, to live into the newness that Christ has given us so that we'd put aside all the earthly things, all the earthly wisdom and find that still small voice that is indeed the wisdom from God on high. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.